It's going to be tag team preaching today. When I beat up on the devil a while, I'm going to tag Mitchell, and then he's going to beat up on him a while. Y'all cool with that? All right, so good to see everybody this morning at the bridge. We're happy to have Mr. Mitchell Grantham up here with us. Amen, amen. He can do more than media. He can do more than make the lights shine and the videos run and all of the sound and all that. He can do that, but he can do a lot more. Mitchell is a... Uh, excellent Bible teacher, not, on, not, only, not only on the topic we're going to talk about today, which we're talking about eschatology. Remember that big word? We're talking about the last days, end times, book of Revelation, book of Daniel, the prophets, Jesus, all through the Bible. As a matter of fact, we said in the first message that one out of every 25 verses in the Bible talks about in some way the second coming of Jesus. Now, one of the things about the bridge is we don't require you to believe everything right off the bat. We just want you to hear, and we want you to take what you hear and bring it to God and say, God, if this is true, then put it deep in my heart. And that's what we hope you'll do with this today. So we're going to talk about uh, some questions you have asked. We're going to respond to some questions you have asked about the end times. And uh, I'm going to sort of be the moderator here, but Mitchell's going to give uh, uh, most of the information, and uh, as I think of things that I feel like maybe you will want to know, I will, I will just speak to him, but he is our teacher today, and I want you to open your hearts and receive. Now, some of the stuff that you're going to hear today, um, it may sound political to you, but we are not trying to be political we are just trying to say what's happening in the world today that is paving the path, setting up an environment for all of the things the Bible has said is going to happen in the last days, okay? So you're going you're gonna to hear some things today. You know, we live in a, an environment that you want to put everything in conservative and, and, and uh, liberal uh, categories. You want to put everything in Republican or Democrat categories, ladies and gentlemen, we have no desire to do that. As a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and tell you, and I know Mitchell will agree, that the answer to what we need today isn't in the Republican or the Democratic Party. It isn't in conservative or liberal views. It is in Jesus Christ. And so we want to bring you, amen, we want to bring you what we believe um, the Bible's saying to us in the last days. Uh, Mitchell's going to deal with some of these questions. Um, I just got to ask him right off the bat, do you think the TV show Honey Boo Boo is a sign of the times? Do you think that's a sign? Because I feel like when I saw that show for the first time, it was the end of the world as I knew it. All right. Humor's over. Yeah, yeah. So, Mitchell, let's look at this very first question. And uh, do you want to greet the people and just say hello? It's good to be here. Naturally out of my element, usually upstairs in the starship, and welcome each of you. <laughs> yeah. Sometime, and look, Mitch will be glad for you to go up there. Uh, there's only one requirement. When you go up there, you have to volunteer. That's it. All right. So, uh, so if you've never been and seen what goes on up there, though, we'd welcome you at some time, uh, not during a service probably be the best time, but at other times to come and just see what's going on up there. Some of you may be curious about that or whether that would be a place you could serve, and um, it might very well be. So come and talk to Mitchell at some point. Question number one, you guys ready? 
And you'll notice on your card today, we didn't put anything on there because we just wanted you to have all the room you need to take all the notes you want to take. And uh, you might write down more questions and send them in after today. Mitchell and I have noticed when we get through te teaching, there's more questions than answers. So, you know, you feel free to ask all the questions you want to ask. And we will try to get every one of them we can in this setting. But the ones we don't get to, we will answer and make them available to you. Uh, question number one, is it possible that some people will not be raptured? How many of you remember we talked about the rapture and what that is, the catching away? And Mitchell will talk about that more. Uh, but is it possible that some people will not be raptured even though they're Christians? They'll still be left behind. Um, and they'll be left behind, this, this uh, person asking this question, uh, would they be left behind to lead others to Christ during the tribulation? And with that in mind, should some, and I'm assuming the word some means Christians, prepare for the seven-year tribulation period and not the rapture? So talk about that. Great question. Um, I tell you, all these questions that have been coming in, it makes you wonder if you even know any of the Bible. Yeah, really. Wow. Uh, but born-again believers that have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ their sins covered by His precious blood will be raptured. They all will go. Um, talking about the seven-year seven tribulation period, real briefly, um, Pastor Farrell covered the pre-, mid-, and post-trib theory of the rapture. Um, many of you may have uh, different views than I or, or Pastor Farrell, and that's perfectly okay. As long as you're born again, you're going. Um, Talking about the seven-year tribulation period, you, for the most part, cannot prepare for, for this tribulation that's coming. I'll give you an example. If you've been keeping up with the news at all, and you've seen the Christians in Mosul and some of the Yazidis, which is a different uh, religion, they're actually uh, uh, being beheaded. They're losing everything they have ever worked for by this uh, terrorist group, these thugs, these murderers under the name of Islam, these ISIS terrorists, they're, they're going to their, their homes and their houses and they're, they're marking their houses with an upside down. It's actually an Arabic letter, uh, the letter N, which stands for Nazarene, that a Christian lives here and they're saying, we now own this house, you've got to get out, you've got to go, you've got to leave, or we'll give you the opportunity to convert to Islam, or you can pay a jizya tax where we'll take all your money and we might let you uh, live for a little while or you have to leave. No matter how much they prepared in that situation, it's pretty much over for them. So when, you, when we talk about preparing for the tribulation period, you may go uh, dig a hole in the backyard and put a big train car under there and prepare. And you may, you may be possibly be able to live underground for seven years. But for the most part, preparing for what is, what is coming, this time of Jacob's trouble is, for the most part, uh, going to be very, very difficult to do. So just for clarity... If a person has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through the new birth, they have admitted, I'm lost, I need a Savior, the only one is Jesus. He died on the cross for my sins, he rose from the dead. I want him to rule in my life, I want him to be Lord of my life. That is the born again experience that you're talking about. People who have experienced that will go in the rapture, not left behind Absolutely. during the tribulation. God is going to prepare. Uh, there's going to be two witnesses um, that are going to come back. Even Jesus said Elijah was coming back, so we know he's going to be one of them. Uh, the other one, I believe, personally, will be Moses. Some, some think it's Enoch because he didn't die. Um, there's also, as Pastor Farrell preached in a previous message, there's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to go around the world and they're going to be preached. They're going to be preaching that Jesus is coming back. 
He's, he's coming back to the earth and He's going to set up and He's going to rule and reign His kingdom. And there's going to be many, many people that are, are converted. Uh, but, uh, and you can get into some deep theology here about, uh, well, you know, could I wait and just, you know, be, be saved during the tribulation period? And there's very... Um, it's very serious to wait because naturally Jesus said the day is a day of salvation. You don't want to wait. Paul talks about many of those that had pleasure in unrighteousness, those that were convicted and said, I don't want to give my heart to Jesus now. I want to continue in what I'm doing. I'm having too much fun. Um, I'm having this pleasure in this unrighteousness. God, uh, Paul said in that, that particular person, God will send them a strong delusion that they'll believe a lie or believe the lie and be damned. So, um, good point. That Because um, a lot of people, when they hear that there are going to be conversions during the tribulation, which you all know is that seven-year period after the rapture, a lot of people, you know, we're just so natural, we're so fleshy, we're like, oh, I'll just wait to then. Because then I'll know it's near the end. I'll remember all the stuff I, go, I was taught. And I'll, but the Bible says that very likely will not Absolutely. be the case. And, you know, and if you can't live it now... Um, it's going to be a mass slaughter for those that are converted during the tribulation period and beheadings. And there'll be, even, even John saw, saw them under the altar of God and said they were crying out, how long, oh God, is it going to be before you uh, take revenge on all these people that have slaughtered us? Mm -hmm. It's just going to, be, it's going to be a time of judgment. You know, what is going on in Iraq right now in the northern part of Iraq and uh, what this, I believe it's ISIS, is that right? Or... Uh, I've heard some other pronunciations, but that is sort of a glimpse for the world of what tribulation would be similar to in the, in the last part, the great tribulation, uh, when Antichrist has revealed himself. Absolutely, absolutely. So when you see this on the news, you know, as horrible as it is, it is, it is you know, God doesn't only give us glimpses of heaven so we can just get a little foretaste of glory divine. Y'all remember that line in the hymn we used to sing. Uh, but I think there are glimpses of judgment as well in the present time that really aren't even close to what it's going to be like, but it's just a little glimpse for God to say, you need me, Absolutely. you need me in your life. Absolutely. The next one talks about something I've mentioned several times while I was preaching, Daniel's 70 weeks. And I didn't get into that. I felt like maybe you could explain that just a little bit better. If you'll talk about that. Uh, sure. Daniel uh, is actually talking about, there is, that's a Hebrew word called Shabua, or a seven-year period. And um, God is speaking to, through Gabriel to, uh, to Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. If you want to make a note there, chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. He's talking about there's going to be 70 Shabuas determined upon uh, my people, the Jews. This is going to complete everything that Gabriel says. He says it's a, it's a seven-year period. Actually, what he's talking about, there's going to be 490 years of judgment upon the Jewish people. Now, when we look at the Bible... We have, to, we have to look at it through a Middle Eastern interpretation and not a Western one. If we look at it, if we look at it at that time period and what God was saying to the Jews there, uh, Daniel, he, here he's in Persians' captivity. Remember the image we, that you preached about, the head of gold, the breast of silver, and the arms of silver, the thighs of brass, and the legs of iron, and the feet of iron and clay mixed. And some of the guys here are saying, what in the world is that talking about? But, right. but basically, what the, the head of gold has already collapsed. 
that Persian has overtaken Babylon, and, and Daniel here is in Persian captivity, and he's praying, and, he, and he's given the reason for the, for the 490 years. Um, and the, basically, the reason God says to the Jews, he said, you owe me 490 years. Because in Leviticus, I, or I told you to plow the land for six years, and on the seventh year, let it rest. And you, did, and you didn't do that for 490 years. So I'm going to take 490 years and you're going to be judged for that. Mm. So, um, you know, and he goes on and Daniel's praying. He's repenting and he sees the, that the focus is on Jerusalem and God's people. And the angel shows up and talk, talks about it. And then he pretty much tells him when, when Messiah is cut off, 69 weeks is going to be transpired from the time to build, rebuild Jerusalem. Daniel's in captivity. We'll rebuild the temple in Jerusalem until Messiah's cut off. He said there's going to be 483 years. So picture Jesus coming in on the cold and the people waving on, um, palm branches or olive branches or whatever, and they're saying, Hail, Hosanna to King, and they're missing it. And Jesus even talked about it in Luke chapter 19. He says, You missed the big day. I'm fixing to be cut off, and, and Jerusalem, I'm going to actually allow Jerusalem to be destroyed because of that, because that pro prophecy, and the people of the prince that shall come, which we'll talk about that a little bit later, will destroy the city, and that actually happened in 70 A.D. Um, with, with the Byzantine Empire, um, the Ottomans came in. and that, Actually, the Byzantine Empire, remember we talked about the two legs? Mm -hmm. We had an eastern leg and a western leg. Well, the, the western leg was Rome, and the, which, was, which Jesus was living under at that time period, the Roman government. And then when they just you know, kind of fizzled out or, or failed, the Byzantine Empire actually remained, which was the, uh, the eastern leg. And that actually lasted a thousand years longer than Rome did. So verse 27, between verse 26 and 27, there's a gap. We'll have to issue towels for you guys on the front. <laughs> but um, So there's a gap, and there's a gap between verse 26 and verse 27. Gabriel didn't say it was all going to happen at one time. So 69 Shabuas have happened. 483 years have happened. There's seven more years of one Shabuah that's got to happen, and that's going to be the time of great tribulation. Um, and he talks about what's going to start that last seven years, and that last seven years will be started by the prince that will come, and he's going to confirm a covenant with many, or he's going to sign a peace treaty with many, and then that's going to begin the, the beginning of sorrows. In fact, um, Jesus talked about it, and Pastor Farrell talked about it, it's divided into 42 months, 1260 days for each three and a half years, and when he, when he goes into Jerusalem, desecrates the temple that the two witnesses have rebuilt, and he causes the abomination of desolation. Jesus said to, when you see that, talking, to, talking about Jews, he said, when you see that, get, get out of town. Go, get, because he said it's going to be a time that has never been that bad before, nor never will be again. Mm -hmm. You know, as you're out there listening to this, I'm thinking about everybody who's here today. And, and I'm sure we got some people yet been in church in a long time, or maybe you're here visiting today and you're like, whoa, <laughs> you know. Um, and we understand that. We understand that. However, uh, we know that because of the frequency of this topic in the scriptures, it needs to be a frequent topic in today's church. And so what we hope we'll do, if you're listening to this going, oh, man, I don't even know what that is, and I don't get that, and, and what is he talking? We hope we'll just whet your appetite so you will so you will find out, so you will ask. 
And again, you can ask questions. Uh, to tell you how the world views what we're talking about, we got uh, message emails about our, our billboards. You've seen our billboards in different places in towns about the, town about the end of the world. And people just ripping us about, you know, the only reason we're putting that up is to get money and get, and get people scared and that we want to control people. Hey, you know why we're preaching on this? Because <laughs> Jesus talked about it. And we're preaching on this because Jesus said, you need to preach on this. You need to teach on this. You need to tell this. So go back, listen to the first two messages in the series. I'll go into a little bit of teaching on what that um, image that Nebuchadnezzar saw, where that kind of came from, how he tried to get his guys to interpret that. They couldn't interpret it because they're not godly people. Daniel came on the scene, interpreted that, and had to do exactly with what Mitchell is teaching about Today, So just kind of putting it out there, letting you know why we're doing this. And if this is the first time you've heard this, we'll just hope you'll ask some questions. And at the end today, and, and I want to remember this, uh, I, wanna, I want you to mention some people they can read or people they can listen to okay. where they could uh, go. On. So we're talking about the tribulation period. We're talking about that seven-year period after the rapture. There are some major characters in that seven-year. And the third question kind of brings us to that. Uh, there's, uh, there's, you know, uh, because Daniel was, I mean, uh, John was seeing this vision that God gave him, the great dragon what in the world is that? Who is that? The Antichrist, who is that? What is that? The false prophet, who is that? What is that? We, hear, we see the word beast. What, what are some of these terms talking about? Okay, so in Revelation 13, uh, John sees a beast. And this beast uh, he sees has seven heads, or he sees these seven empires. He sees Egypt, Assyria, uh, see if I can do it for, do it for memory, Babylon, Persian, uh, the Grecian, the Romans, and then the Byzantines. He sees all these seven. Good job. Uh, <laughs> he sees the seven heads, and on the seven heads, he sees the. Uh, well, they have actually ten horns, which are ten leaders, because Alexander the Great, remember, split Grecian into the four generals, and um, some of you may remember that or, or whatever. But anyway, basically, and then he goes into detail. He talks about. He sees one of them is like a leopard, and that leopard is is. Uh, the, the signal or the, or the image of Turkey. He sees one like a bear, which is the image of Iran, and he sees one like a lion, which is the image of Iraq. So, and then one of, one of the uh, heads he sees appears to be fatally wounded, and that uh, uh, Byzantine Empire was fatally wounded in 1924, uh, in the early parts of uh, World War I. Um, they were dismantled, and it was wounded, and, and da uh, Daniel saw it, and, and John saw it, and it was wounded unto death. But in 1928, they began to, to, be, to try to bring it back to life, to revive it, and they started a group called the Muslim Brotherhood. Anybody ever heard of that, that phrase uh, in these last days in which we live? And now, now that Ottoman Empire and that, or that Byzantine Empire, through, uh, we'll be talking a little bit about a word called a caliphate, or, or, or on their way to being res restored. So here we are, Satan, he sets up the good to be bad and the bad to be good. So the dragon here that, uh, in the question is naturally Satan. The Antichrist, he talks about the Antichrist, talks about the false prophet, talks about the, the uh, uh, Babylon the Great, talks about the great whore. Um, so John is seeing this beast now. You know, I was really curious about, you know, last days and... and, and and begin to ask a lot of questions, and I had a lot of Muslim 
uh, customers when I was on the road, and I would ask, and some of them were very devout religiously. I mean, they they believed what what the Quran said. They they did what the Quran said for the most part for what they could in America, but. And I asked them about the last days, and they, here's some of the things they told me. They said, well, the, the Quran and the Hadith um, actually talk about a last prophet coming. That prophet will be called the Mahdi, or the 12th Imam. You may have heard that, that phrase. Um, he's coming back, and he's going to restore this caliphate, and he's going he's to make the end of, he's going to pretty much usher in the end, the, last, the end of the age, the last years. Um, also, Jesus is going to come back. They call him Isis. He's coming back, and he's going to say, hey, I was wrong. I was not the Son of God. I'm not the Son of God. When I got back to heaven, God chastised me and told me that to, to, when I come back to tell you that, that the, the right way is Islam. Crazy, isn't it? I mean, it, how can it get any crazier? So Daniel sees, two, I mean, that, well, actually, that, John sees two players. He sees, he sees the Antichrist, and he sees the false prophet coming back. Um, so uh, the great dragon is Satan. The Antichrist is a false Christ or pseudo-Christ, an imitator of Christ, or instead of Christ, the Muslim Mahdi or the 12th Imam, the false prophet is the Muslim Jesus. Um, get this now, this false prophet actually does miracles, calling fire to come down from heaven. You may, you, those of you that have read the book of Revelation have, have seen that. And he causes um, people to worship the first beast or worship the Antichrist. The harlot of Babylon is actually Arabia. Arabia is going to be destroyed. We'll talk a little bit about that in a, in a minute. And the great whore is Islam, in my opinion. I, I, I said this Thursday night, Thursday night. Let me say it here um, Many of you, some of you may not agree with my opinion on this. That's, that's perfectly okay. Um, many of you may believe it's wrong. Many of you may believe it's Catholicism. Maybe many of you may believe it's New Age or another religion to come. I, I don't. Uh, so, you know, John saw it, and he sees a harlot of Babylon. He sees the great whore, Islam, where they pretty much say you have to convert or die. Islam today is two billion strong. And, and, and actually growing in, in leaps and bounds. But you, if you look at it, you kind of see where there's a total reversal where John talks about an antichrist is bad. Islam is talking about a Mahdi, which is good. Mm -hmm. John talks about a false prophet, which is bad. Islam talks about Jesus is coming back and he's going to be good. Mm -hmm. um, so you see where Satan has taken what's good and converted it to be bad, and he's had all these years to naturally read and study the Scriptures, and he's, he's pretty much fulfilling prophecy. He's the counterfeiter. He is, Satan absolutely. He's counterfeiter. Everything God does, he perverts it and, and, and reverses it. As a matter of fact, um, I don't think we talked about this last week, and we might talk about it next week. The Antichrist is actually struck down and revived physically, which is a mockery of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. he, Satan mocks everything. So, and I know you'll talk about that in more detail. Um, the Mark of the Beast. Everybody's heard of that. We've all seen all these movies that come out in the 666. And so what is that? Talk about that. Uh, okay, is the mark of the beast a microchip, and is it going to be a one world order? I thought he was behind uh, me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I want to make sure I answer the right question. <laughs> or try to. Uh, yeah, he's back here. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So, um, 
You know, there's so many um, interpretations and so many translations. If you ask uh, 10 prophecy teachers today, you'll get 11 different opinions. So um, here's mine. No microchip and no one world order. The mark of the beast is the name of the beast, which is blasphemy. Um, some of you are like, let me hold on to my seat. He don't believe this is gonna, uh, it's a microchip. The mark of the beast is anti-Yahweh. It's anti-cross. It's anti-Christ. It's anti-Trinity. The mark is the name or the image of the beast. The mark is an indicator of allegiance uh, and submission to the beast uh, or a symbol identifying mar a mark of, of the coming beast kingdom. You know, if it was just a microchip um, that I could buy and sell that I have to put in my hand or in my forehead, it doesn't seem like that would be really that bad because I'm not giving allegiance to a false religion or I'm not giving allegiance. I mean, we've all got probably credit cards or debit cards. Um, I'm not giving allegiance. I've not sold my soul to BB&T or First Citizens. So... Um, get a little plug in there for them, you know. <laughs> um, so in Revelation 14, it's not something one might accidentally receive or embrace. It's an outward indicator of an inward allegiance mm. or, or submission to the beast. Um, all right, so guys, if you put up that first slide, if you'll look at, um, this, is, this is actually the original uh, codex of, from 350 A.D., and here's what I think John saw. I think John, if you look at it, and you look at it as Greek, read, reading from left to right, you're, say, you're looking at it, chi-si stigma, or if I pronounce that correctly, where you're actually seeing 666. Some interpretations, the way the symbols are, make it look like it's 616 or 616. But I personally believe it's Arabic. If you'll go to the next slide, um, if you can see that, um, the, bottom has, the bottom one is, is, is Greek, Kaisai Stigma. If you look at the top one there, in Arabic you read from right to left. Um, those of you that have been to the Middle East and uh, troops and, uh, and I, everybody that's been there, thank you and thank you for your service and you're probably familiar with these, these signs and these symbols and these words. But actually the first one on the top right is Bisson or Bisma. And the second one in the middle that looks like a snake with a line on the top of it is the name Allah. And if you look at, if you look at them, they look almost exactly alike. Sometimes the Allah is vertical, sometimes it's horizontal. And then naturally on the left, you have the, the sign of Islam, you have the cross swords. So, you know, I, I brought this symbol to, to probably three or four different Muslim, religious Muslim customers that I had. And I said, what does this say? And they said, it says, Bismillah, in the name of Allah. And they said, where did you get that? And I said, you don't want to know. <laughs> so, so I began to tell them, and they're like, really? And, you know, I don't have really a lot of time to elaborate, elaborate on that. But if you go to the next uh, slide, you can see, um, so it's a mark. And here it's on the top of a forehead, and you can go to the next one. This, these are a couple just examples here. You can see it's a mark of allegiance, and go to the next one, where, where people are giving their allegiance to this, to this uh, uh, beast system, or this, this system ca uh, called Islam. Thank you, guys. So, um, all nations are not going to follow the Antichrist. Um, 
that's actually the part, the, the, the second part of the question, is there going to be a one world order question? That's, I'm going to cover that in a, in a minute. That's the second part of the question. But basically, um, submission to the beast, you know, whether, I, th- I think the original uh, writing was dexius, which mean, means arm more than hand. You know, it's, it's a badge or uh, a symbol of servitude to uh, um, a beast system. Um, you know, you, uh, you, take, you take that mark or you, take, you pledge your allegiance to an antichrist system. You have to deny Christ to take the mark. There's no way you can take the mark and not deny Christ. So you're denying that Jesus is the Christ. And in 1 John 2, Jesus said, who is antichrist? He said, the antichrist is the one that denies the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And that's exactly what Islam is. They, deny, they say there's, there's only one God but Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger, and God can have no son. So it pretty much sums it up for me there. You know, Paul talked about the marks of a Christian. Uh, um, he talks about the marks of a believer. And it isn't an outward mark. It is a conversion exactly. to Christ. And that's what you're saying is that really the acceptance of the mark of the beast is internal. And there may be some out, you know, outward things like what John saw with the um, band on their head. But, but the, accepting the mark of the beast is, is saying, I worship him. Absolutely. I give him my life. So. Exactly. And I love, I love how you pointed out, because I think people do fear that when I hear them talk. Is it something that if I have family in the tribulation that they're going to have the mark or accept the mark and they don't know it? And that's not true. They, it is a decision. It is a decision. It's not, a, it's not something that, how did you word that earlier? It's not a mistake or, right, or, right. or something you do that you don't know you're doing. You know, kind of like, for example, in Mosul and parts of Syria now, you cannot buy or sell without t- pledging that allegiance to uh, Islam and, and denouncing Christ and converting. Mm. So, yeah. Excellent point. Um, you talked, uh, number five, elaborate on how the mark of the beast fits in the end of the world. I think you kind of done that. Um, so yeah, so the mark, you know, shows submission to Allah. And it's, 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 it's not, you know, it's his number or his symbol. Um, any man who worships the beast in his image, John said, and receives the mark of the beast, he receives the wrath of God. He's denying that Jesus is the Son of God, and his torment will go up, John said, for day and, for day and night, forever and forever. So, you know, God takes it pretty, pretty serious that we will face persecution. And, for example, you know, this, and this, Pastor Farrell is constantly, we're not here to try to scare anybody, but if ISIS was here today and they come in with AKs and they're saying, okay, we're going to give you a chance to convert or die. And we mean business and they pull the machetes out. Um, You're going to think twice and we're going to naturally fight, but um, we'll have have to make a decision. And And people all throughout the Middle East are having to make decisions even now and the tribulation period has not started. You know, it's amazing. Just this morning, on the news, a report again in northern Iraq, uh, the slaughter of 300 people who would not convert. They would not convert to, to yeah. Islam, and uh, so their lives were taken. You know, in the Quran, uh, you know, I was looking, they actually have 109 verses that call Muslims to war with infidels, of uh, non believers like Jews and Christians and Hindus or 
or whatever. Um, so an infidel is anybody who's not Muslim. That's right. That's right. And some are quite graphic with beheadings. Um, and John saw that, and we talked a minute about, about, about that a second ago. So their instructions are to kill all the infidels wherever they may be hiding. There's a hadith in, the, uh, that in you know, Islamic tradition that in the last day when the Mahdi has come on the scene and the great slaughter begins, that um, the trees and the rocks will actually cry out. Oh, Muslim, oh, Muslim, there's a Christian hiding behind me, or there's a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him. So you see how sick and twisted this is. Wow. And, you know, demons are naturally behind this. If, you, if you've seen any, you, you mentioned the, the Christians a minute ago being slaughtered, and I've got just video after video, and I don't enjoy watching them, and I don't, wanna, I don't enjoy seeing them. And just photos where they're beheading children and just slaughtering in Syria and parts of Indonesia, Darfur and Sudan, and just, just all because of Christ. Um, but it's the Antichrist, I mean, it's just, it's, um, it's demonic. It's like a blood ritual. Yes. To, to, and, and they actually think they're doing Allah a favor. Mm. They actually think they're going to receive rewards from doing it, for doing this. But the Antichrist doesn't do all the killing. His followers do. Sure. Amazing. Um, makes you want to really evaluate where you are with God. Absolutely. What your relationship with God is. So the United States, number six, eventually, um, and, and this is a premise that I'm not sure you agree with, but the question is based on a premise that this person has. Eventually the United States will deny Israel when America turns her back on Israel. Will Christians in the military be cursed if they are used against God's chosen people? How do you respond to that? That's a, that's a busy question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of a statement in a question. Eventually, the United States will deny Israel. Um, this, my answer will kind of answer a little bit of number four question. It is there going to be a one world order. Um, you know, we talk about the Abrahamic covenant where God told Abraham, he said, everybody that blesses you, I will bless them. And everybody that curses you, I will curse them. And he said pretty much as long as there's a star in the sky, that covenant will be in effect. Um, I'm a God that will not change. So if we bless Israel, America will be blessed. If I as an individual bless Israel or curse Israel, it's actually the, 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 it's a law that I will be blessed or I will be cursed. Um, you know, America and this current administration and even previous ones, um, are currently try, are, we're actually currently cursing Israel now, trying to play both sides of the fence. We're trying to, uh, talking about Hamas and Gaza uh, and the PLO or the Palestinians, we're trying, to, we're trying to help them and fund them and send them money where in turn they're going to buy rockets and dig tunnels and launch them toward Israel and fight against Israel. And I, I want to clarify what Mitchell just said. Not just the current administration, but past administrations as well have been guilty of this. Absolutely. So. In fact, uh, you know, uh, under a previous administration, um, we, we actually as America made, forcibly made, I say forcibly, we, we, we told uh, Ariel Sharon, which was then Prime Minister of Israel, we told him, you need to stop building in the Gaza Strip. See, Israel owned Gaza. 
and said, you have got to stop building settlements there and you've got to get out. And uh, first they didn't, they didn't want to do it, but eventually they did it all in the name of peace and gave uh, the Palestinians the uh, Gaza Strip and the Pal uh, PLO. Uh, they voted in Hamas and everybody knows the story that's taking place in. And, uh, you know, and I heard this, I haven't checked it, to be if, if, if it is fact, but I heard that immediately that same week where uh, George W. Bush told Ariel Sharon to make them get out for peace, that something happened in America, a, a little thing formed in the Gulf of Mexico called Katrina. Mm -hmm. so, um, so Christians are currently the salt and light of America and salt and light of the world. Um, once we're gone, think about, uh, think about America. What will America look like when the salt and light is no longer here? America in the future may very well be a nation that comes against the Antichrist as he pushes to destroy Israel. All the Jews and all the Christians and all their so-called friends and infidels will be, you know, be, uh, or, I think the Islamic word is Carfor, Carfor. In Daniel 11, the Antichrist, he declares war. Write this down on your card. This, could, this is probably America. Daniel 11, verse 38 and 39, the Antichrist declares war on the strongest of forces. Currently, that's America. Now, when this happens, America may not be the strongest force in, a, in the world, but currently now we are. Uh, also, uh, the nations that will come against the Antichrist are in, found in Ezekiel 28. Um, Ezekiel said the strongest of nations. So the whole world is not going to be backing the Antichrist. Antichrist is going to be in the Middle East. It's going to be Middle Eastern countries. It's going to be you know, that, that revived country, some of those revived countries uh, or kingdoms which we talk about. But even in Micah chapter 5, God says, I'll raise up seven leaders and eight princely men to come against him. Um, which that kind of leads us up to the next question. Which is question number seven. What is the battle of Armageddon and what nations will it involve? So in northern Israel, uh, there's a valley which is also described as the Valley of Jezreel or the Valley of Megiddo. Um, Napoleon looked at that valley in, uh, eight, in the 1800s and he said, wow, what a great place this would be for a final battle. And he was correct where this final battle will be for the world ar world's armies. Now, all the armies that converge on Armageddon, and I've always thought about this, and I, you know, and I could be right or wrong, I don't know. I've always thought about all the armies that converge on Armageddon are actually fighting against Israel. But then I got to thinking, and, and you know, all the armies that are converging on Armageddon may not be fighting. Some of them may be fighting against the Antichrist and his armies. All we do know is it's going to be a, a, a slaughter that brings back Jesus because the Jews, in fact, Jesus said, he said, you know, he said, it's going to be so bad. He said, if I don't shorten the days, there no, no flesh will be saved. I mean, you know, and John said the, the blood will flow to the horse's bridle. So no doubt Jesus was correct when he said there's never been a time this bad. Um, so the end of this battle is going to usher in the second coming of Jesus because that small remnant of Jews that have not been slaughtered 
will begin to cry out for their Messiah to come, and they'll welcome him to come and, you know, to fight that battle. And he, even, uh, he said in his word, I'll gather my elect from the four winds of the, heaven, of the heavens. So that's at the end of tribulation. That's at the end. And, you know, no one knows the total length of this battle, uh, but we do know it's toward the end of the seven-year tribulation period. In Revelation 16, it talks about the kings of the earth and the whole world that are involved. Um, here's, here's some of the nations that the scriptures talk about will be involved in this battle. Babylon or the Muslim caliphate nations revived. They're the, actually the major players here. They're drunken with the blood of the saints, John said. These, are, these nations are, gonna, are named that are there. Egypt, Syria, Babylon, Iraq, Iran, Persia, Greece, Turkey in Revelation chapter 17, Lebanon, Zidon, Ethiopia, Sudan, Lydia, Turkey, Gomer, or the northern parts of Africa, Arabia, Meshach, Tubal, or the lower parts of Turkey, and the Stans, Kurdistan's, Afghanistan's, um, Edom, the Arab world. I mean, he just goes into detail in Ezekiel 38 and 39, the players that are involved in this battle, all the way from Yemen, all the way to Saudi Arabia, or Syria, and all of them are Muslim. Every single one of those nations are Muslim. Now, this is going to be the final battle, as we discussed, uh, when Jesus, the true Christ, comes and the armies of heaven and the saints return to, to defeat the dragon. We're coming back with him. As you preach, we're not floating around in a little cloud playing a harp. We're, we're, we're you know, coming back with the armies of heaven to defeat the dragon, to defeat the Antichrist, the false prophet. The Antichrist, the false prophet, are cast into the lake of fire. The great dragon or Satan is cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Um, after Christ's total victory, he ushers in the last day. Uh, remember Peter and 2 Peter talks about a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. From, a, from Adam to Abraham, we've, it was 2,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus is 2,000 years. From Jesus till now is about 2,000 years. So 2 plus 2 plus 2 is 6. Good. <laughs> 6,000 years have transpired, and Jesus, remember, uh, in, the word was the in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was there at the creation. So there's six days Man's allotted time, and on the seventh day, we're going to rest. We're going to rest a thousand years. Wow. That's, that makes it, when you, when you put it like that, which makes so much sense, it lets us know we're there. Amen. We Absolutely. Are there. Um, you know, and I mentioned Saudi Arabia will be coming to their end. Um, actually, it was Saudi Arabia that birthed Islam. Mecca and Medina, if you've, if you've done any research on, uh, I think it was maybe 400 A.D. where Islam was birthed through uh, Muhammad being possessed. and um, So it, it's Saudi Arabia that sparked anti-Semitism from the year, from the advent of Islam until now. Arabia, which the Bible calls Sheba and Dedan, is going to be destroyed. Um, despite what, you know, they may sit back and not really... Bless or curse Israel, kind of sit back and see what happens. But in Ezekiel 38, as, Tver as Turkey invades Israel, it's going to eventually be demolished by Iran. Uh, in Isaiah 21, Saudi Arabia, mystery Babylon, Babylon the Great, will burn with a fervent heat. Mm. So it appears Iran will get nuclear war warheads. It appears, you know, even, even Isaiah, he said the dirt burnt. The dirt, the, it actually burnt as pitch. 
We see the oil. Um, John said that we, the nations of the world, were drunk with the, with the Babylon's uh, oil. We're drunk with her oil. We're drunk with her wine. Um, so Mecca and Medina are going to go up in, fl- in flames. And all the nations mourn from afar. They're like, you know, wow, um, what are we going to do now? Zechariah 9 confirms the final battle between Israel and Yavon or, or Turkey, which is in Asia Minor. Messiah is going to head to that area, which is that northern part of Israel, right on the Tur- uh, Syria-Turkish border up there in verse 14, and they're going to defeat they're going to be defeated by, by Christ. Um, that's where John saw the, uh, I know I'm running a lot of rabbits here, uh, but that, that's where John saw the seven churches of Asia Minor in Turkey. And he actually said, Pergamos, that was the seat of Satan. Um, that's, where, that's where, in my opinion, the Antichrist will come from. Um, will come from, say, clarify from, from that. From Turkey, Turkey, I personally believe. Guys, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer, watch Turkey. Uh, Erdogan has just been uh, elected president from uh, Recep Erdogan, from, from prime minister to uh, president. I think that's going to go two five-year five year terms. Um, you know, and, and I'm not a date setter. I don't know. I don't know the day or hour. If you ask me when Jesus is, come, Jesus is coming, I'll tell you, I don't know. If you ask me how much time we have, I'll say, I don't know. I personally believe this is the generation. We're the generation that saw the fig tree bloom. So I, I, I say watch Turkey. And they're, they're, they're kind of funding ISIS. They're kind of, Erdogan may take over this caliphate. Who knows? I don't know, I don't know what's going to transpire here. Because we've seen a lot of deterioration between the relationship that we used to have with Turkey. Uh, now that relationship is just deteriorating and uh, not, not what it was even in our lifetime. Absolutely. And not only that, Erdogan said he wants a caliphate. Mm. He wants it restored. Define that word caliphate because I know, you know, not everybody watches the news, you know, as intently as maybe you and I do and maybe some others here. Define that word caliphate. It's basically a one ruler where one ruler is going to rule all the Arab states and, um, you know, they can come and go like, I can go to South Carolina without a passport or I can go to California without a passport. But if I try to go to France or another country, I have to have a passport. But they, they want it all. They actually want world rule. They actually want it all. But they want to start, start in the Middle East with these revived uh, uh, seven heads that John saw, mm-hmm. these seven, you know, kingdoms. <clears throat> what is the uh, greatest signal um, uh, sign uh, to show us that Jesus is going to return and what, what should we be looking for? And I, I know you just said keep your eyes on Turkey. What, what other things do you think are? Um, you know, Paul said you brethren are not in darkness that that day, the day of the Lord, would overtake you as a thief. He said you're going to know when it's fixing to take place. Uh, that's encouraging to us as a Christian. Um, one of the greatest signs to me is, as I spoke a minute ago, Israel becoming a nation in May of 1948. Um, Jesus said, when the disciples asked him, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world or the end of the age? He began to talk about earthquakes, famines and pestilence, uh, terrorism, men's hearts failing for fear, uh, wars and rumors of wars. He began to talk about all these things. He said, and learn this, he said, when you see the fig tree bloom, you know that summer is near. And likewise, when Israel blooms, my, my personal interpretation again, he says, you know that all these things, he said, when you see all these things transpire, Israel's restored as a nation. Even the word says, um, who, who, who's ever heard of a thing, a nation being born in one day? Mm. And, but it's just prophecy fulfilled. Jesus said, when you see 
This, this happened. This generation will not pass. All things will come to pass. Uh, heaven and earth was, you know, will, will pass away, but my word's not going to pass away. When you see all these things, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, terrorism, wars, rumors of wars, Israel and nation, he said this generation is the generation. Um, so this brings us to the last question, really kind of talking about the same thing. Is America's current political state, including the acceptance of gay marriage and things of that nature, a fulfillment of prophecy? I'm going to do you like Thursday. I'm going to let you answer that one. And I'm going to say, yes, sir. Paul was very clear about it. Paul, in his writings to Timothy and his writings to Titus, was very, very clear about the last days and things we're going to see in the last days. And those very things are talked about very clearly. Uh, in my very first sermon in this series, we talked about what is considered now. We're even being told to accept that it is the new normal. You remember that? And that is, that is um, the um, uh, breakdown of what is right and wrong, the breakdown of what is black and white, what there is a clear distinction uh, in the last days. All of that will become murky, and what used to, even in my own lifetime, and I'm a young fellow, yeah, in my times. lifetime, I remember when everybody, whether you went to church or not, had pretty much the same view of what was right and wrong. But we're in a time today where even people in the church will meet you in the foyer when you preach things out of the scripture, and they're offended uh, because you say, I'm sorry, you know, that this bothers you, but this is what the Word of God Absolutely. says. And people are actually offended by that. So I, I think the very fact that people who say, I love God, I love Jesus, I love His Word, but that particular part of the Bible is offensive to me. I think those things, um, and, and I think, you know, the Scripture offends us all, offends our flesh. But I mean it's offensive to me in the sense of uh, I don't accept it, I don't believe it. Somebody came up to me, one time, and I was preaching the things Paul had said about marriage, and they talked about Paul, that they believed he was a bigot, and that a lot of his writings we need to dis dismiss because it was for another time. I think that's the thing we're talking about uh, are, are signs of the, yeah. of the last days, and we see them right in, in the church. You know, we, it's almost like they're taking it that we don't love them. We love, yeah, that we don't we care love about every sin. Sure, sure. We love, you know, we love Muslims. Yes. It's not that we're it's not we're against any. We just want the truth of the word out. Yes. And um, yes. God God's got uh, guardrails. Yes. yes. Um, that that we stay clear stay lines of demarcation. Yeah. You know, as in the days of Noah, yes. like Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, it's just it's. I, I firmly agree. Yes. The answer is yes. So what we hope you'll do, and our time's gone. I, how many of you think we could just keep going? We definitely could. And yeah, yeah. And next week, um, next week, Mitchell's going to deal with some things that we didn't deal with today uh, that'll even answer more of your questions. So you probably wrote stuff down. That's great. Send them in. Send them in. Info at bridgechurch.cc. I-N-F-O at sign bridgechurch.cc. Just send it in. And uh, we'll be glad to try to answer um, all your questions eventually um, may take some, some weeks to come, but we'll, we'll get them all answered. Um, will you just bow your head and let's pray. And uh, if you're here today and, uh, you know, you're like, wow, I, 
I thought I'd hear a church about, you know, I thought I'd come to church today and hear about um, uh, how I need to be a better person, I need to be nicer, and more, I, I didn't know I was going to get this. Well, um, one of the things we committed ourselves to here at the bridge is preaching the whole truth, the whole truth, the parts that we're okay with and we're pretty comfortable with and the parts that we're not comfortable with. And for a lot of people, what we've talked about today, we're, you know, they're just not comfortable with that. They don't want to think about the judgment of God. People want to see God as a big granddaddy sitting up on a big chair and, and you know, everybody can crawl in his lap and everybody's accepted. But the Bible's clear that to be accepted by him, uh, that you surrender your life to him. And yet you don't see him as a way but you see him as the only way uh, to be made right so that you can spend eternity in heaven. So if you're here today and you're really not sure about your walk with God, your relationship with God, just right there where you are, just talk to him and say, Lord Jesus, first of all, confirm in my heart by, by peace, confirm, firm in my heart that what I've heard today, that there may be various interpretations, but generally what I heard today is truth from your, from your word. That, that I may not, I may see rapture a little bit different or timing on things, but the fact is you're coming back. You're coming back. And I'm going to stand before you and I'm going to give an account of my life to you based on whether I have yielded my life to you or not is going to determine my future, my eternity. So Lord, I bow before you today. I humble myself before you. And I want you to control my life. I want you to rule in my life. I, I don't want to be your buddy. I don't want to be your friend. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my master. I want you to rule in my life. And I know I've been resisting you in some areas, and, and Lord, no more resistance. I throw up my hands. I surrender to you today, Lord Jesus. You died for me. You rose from the dead. We sung today about what we believe, and then the choir sung beautiful doctrine. Uh, we, we've just had so much doctrine in our music today and now in, in the teaching. God, I understand truth. I understand you died. You rose from the dead to give you life, to, to bring justification as the choir sang. And so, Lord, I, I yield my life to you today. I yield my life to you. And in doing so, I know, I know that if the rapture happened today, I would be called up to be with you forever and ever. You can know it. John and 1 John, 2 John, 3 John says you can know.